Ah, hello, and welcome to another week. I, I know I skipped last week, but another episode. Actually, we're in episode 60 of your favorite podcast and mine, obviously, 21st Century Rocker Mom podcast with me, your host, Tanya Candler. I'm back with you for another week of, we're talking about something very near and dear to my heart. Where is my mind? Where is my mind? Where is my mind? Not just mine. Where are all of our minds? I'm talking about mental health. This is something that's like really serious. I know I'm not just going to be sitting here and singing Pixies tunes. You could, you can pay for that on Patreon though. <clears throat> Send the check. No, but really I find uh, a lot of people asking, I don't find myself asking, but I find a, lo a lot of people asking this question. Where is my mind? Not just the pixies, obviously. We ask ourselves this question kind of more often than we don't ask ourselves this question. Like kind of like looking at ourselves and like questioning like what just happened in reality and just kind of being like, did that just happen in real life? Well, shit, it did. So then, then, and then it's kind of sorting out what to do with what happened in that uh in that uh in that situation i'm also drinking this bubbly or buble michael buble if you're listening or watching so you can send the fucking check too <clears throat> bubbly you sent me some coupons in the mail this week i'm not gonna lie i got some cases of bubbly in the mail or in the in my order or whatever my grocery order and a few of the cans wouldn't open, like they wouldn't open at all. So I didn't want to like stab a screwdriver through them or be like crazy. So I, I, I contacted them and we, we contacted the company and let them know what happened and sent them pictures and everything and their SKU numbers. So they sent us coupons for free ones. So I, I look forward to trying the pineapple. I've got the strawberry one right now. It's lovely. It's good. But again, saying, where is my mind? What the fuck just happened? Or did that, that just happen in real life? Is this actually happening to me? These kinds of questions, these are the questions that are coming up in a lot of our heads and a lot of people's heads and a lot of people, and I like a lot of talk when I talk to people. And now how do we get, get through and navigate and muddle through what happens kind of after that? Like, where are our minds? Are we all having mental breakdowns? What the fuck is going on? It's been a long, long two years for a lot of people. It's been a short two years, it's been a long two years. It's been a weird two years. <clears throat> it's been a lot of it's it's been a couple of years but you know i mean pandemic stress has gotten to people just regular everyday day-to-day -day stress work stress you know has gotten to people kids pets home life financial stresses relationship stresses things that add a you know an added strain to you if things aren't completely balanced those things can add a stress to you you know some people are experiencing other stresses you know sicknesses illnesses long-term illnesses addiction like the illness of addiction mental health issues isolation and loneliness those are things really that are difficult to, to cope with and sometimes people just they're just personally at a loss for social connection and, and having that social relationship and and having those interpersonal relationships with people and just seeing people and being connected again. Some people just cannot connect for whatever reason or another. It just can't happen. And I think lots of people have struggled with one or more of one of these issues more than any other issue probably in the last two years because there's been like not a lot of 
mental health like help like i'm sure there there have been lots of like things that have been coming out being like okay we're gonna give access to mental health but like the access isn't there or you got like you got to wait till 2025 to talk to a shrink unless you want to pay 225 dollars an hour which is expensive for a lot of people there's not access for everyone so it's not really fair across the board what i can say you know is what i can say it's not a fair <clears throat> it's not a fair deal across the board like not everybody can get access to good mental health care not everybody can get a good access to physical health care like it sucks it's been it's been a, a long two years like for me i think loss and or isolation and not being able to like see the people that i love as much and stuff like that have been most the things that i've kind of grappled with the most obviously in the past two years i've lost oh god so many of the main like big stars like in my life like obviously it's like it's like some sick test you know it's like how much can one person possibly fucking take of course everyone knows that i like i just recently lost my dad and it's been it's been it's been since february like the beginning of february the first couple weeks of february and it's just like it was yesterday it's it's not going anywhere it's not it's not changing it's not going anywhere I lost Rob's grandma. It's it's just like I've lost so many people in my life over the last like even like six months. But then over the last two years, it's been horrid. Like so many people. Loss is a, one of those things. And it, it's just it kind of like people have told me like it's going to you're going to grow with it. It's going to grow with you. It's it's they're not going to sugarcoat it for you. It's not going to be easy. And that's one thing that people are really like grappling with over this pandemic and with mental health is like loss and grief. And those are really big emotions that you have to deal with. And you know talking about dealing with big emotions you can find lots of people and lots of different things to help you with big emotions for for me one thing that helped with big emotions was meditating um helping with meditating and being mindful mindfulness and uh the the first kind of father of mindfulness was john kabat-zinn he talked about modern mindfulness and things like that but i have a good friend uh his 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 instagram's out there it's just mindful mike He's, he's all over the place. I'll put his YouTube videos up. He's got all kinds of mindfulness stuff up. He's got videos for overcoming tough emotions. You can find him on YouTube, on Mindful Mike. He's there. He's probably clicked on my YouTube. I follow him. He's, he's, he's wonderful. He's got a nice calming voice. He knows how to, to calm it down. He knows how to keep you mindful. He's a mindfulness coach. So you, I mean, you can catch him on YouTube and you can catch him I, I, like on Instagram too. He has lots of you know appointments. You can come talk at your work teach you, you know, corporately how to be more mindful. Like a lot of offices could really, <clears throat> I, like I'll put it this way. I've worked in a lot of dental offices that could benefit from being more mindful. More, more places could benefit from being more mindful and thinking kind of laterally and outside of the box and thinking about more, thinking about each other more, you know what I mean? It's, it's cool, kind of like pulling yourself kind of out of the situation and looking at things for how they really are without being emotionally reactive to it and just really thinking about it in a logical way. So this is, so you gotta check out Mindful Mike. Even he has stuff for your kids. He has a book called Andy Gets Angry. It's great, it's for kids. Although we'll talk about kids calming down later, so I'll bring that back up. <clears throat> but like I say, are we being tested? Do you think we're being tested in this life? Do you think we're being tested to see how much we can handle, to see how much the human body, how much the human psyche, how much the human mind, how much the human heart can take do you think we're being tested do you think we're being fucked with by some you know goodness only knows what who knows <clears throat> death is death is hard 
grief is hard, loss is hard. I don't want to say it's impossible because obviously <clears throat> it's possible. We're all touched by it. I'm still sitting here with you. I'm, I'm still, I'm still around. I'm still here with you. We're all touched with it in some way, shape or form. And like I say, it was a hell of a week last week. So I decided not to do the show. There's lots of shit going on that is getting itself sorted out. But like I say, these things are very hard to deal with. And it's hard to navigate these waters when you don't really have like a, a compass to do so. When you don't have a how-to manual on how to do these things. How do you do these things? You talk to people that have been through these things before and you get to know <clears throat> things through kind of their eyes. And then all of a sudden you'll see things through different eyes. Like things just, you know, they come in waves. Like I've talked to a lot of people and they say, Grief comes in waves and it definitely does. Definitely comes in different ways. But you can still laugh. You can still be okay. You can still smile. It's okay. <clears throat> it's because you lost someone that you love. It doesn't, like, they're, they're going to want you to smile. They're going to want you to, to, to stick around. Losing people we love is, is, is like, it's, it's, it's one of the most difficult things that we always, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have to go through in life is, you know, outliving anybody and having to go through that loss. Grieving is hard. They're also grieving the loss of social connection. A lot of people have lost a lot of social connection due to this pandemic. We've had to, whether there's been rules self-imposed or by the government, like what, like whatsoever, where there were, there's been rules, there has been a huge loss, like a huge loss in social connection where it be like, you know, concerts and festivals and markets. We're just kind of getting things going now. And I don't know if they're ramping up or they're ramping. Down. I don't know what's going on right now. Right now, like hopefully it's ramping up a little bit and things will be, Okay, people, you know, put a mask on, be careful to keep, people are being pretty good. So that's cool. <clears throat> but like I say, a lot, a lot of losing social connections hard. Cause when you go to these things, it's like, you want to go up to the person, like I, I'm a hugger. So like, I want to go up to someone and just like give them a big old hug. Like, but you can't do that anymore. It's so weird. Or you'll like go to the hospital with your kid and you want to shake the doctor's hand, but you're just like, you, you can't. It's just not how it, you roll anymore. They don't want to, no one wants to be fucking near anybody. And like everybody's a fucking plague rat. They just, everybody just stays the fuck back. So that's kind of like what it's like. And, but you know, I'm a hugger. I like to like make it fucking like weird. I want to give you a hug. I want to rub your back. I want to make you my best friend. But like, seriously, I love hugging. So it's hard. My good friend, Alex, actually, he hosts a podcast and he produces it. It's a wonderful podcast. It's, it's everywhere you could you could listen to podcasts i've had the honor of guessing on it before it's called social animals podcast and it kind of examines social relationships and the interpersonal relationships between people and those sorts of connections and all, all kinds of like interesting questions about relationships and and social connections and things like that and it really it really uh puts an emphasis on how important those social connections are. Now, Alex has graciously uh, agreed to appear on the show. So we will be having him on, you know, soon. I can't wait to have him on because he is like my bass playing buddy. Like just we like obviously like we met through podcast stuff and him and his wife are like two of the coolest friggin' like people I've ever like met on the Internet. And then uh, they're down the road. They're Canadians, too. So which is cool. And so it'll be great to have him on the show. And we'll get to talk bass and everything, you know, fucking cool. He's got a lot of great things coming up. But I mean, if you can get onto a good podcast, you want to hear good podcasts? Oh my God, listen to Social Animals. Social Animals is on, not just the one that I'm on. All of Alex's shows are absolutely just, they're fascinating. I listen to it every week. 
Social Animals is on my playlist. I listen to it every single week. You can find him at Social Animals Podcast on Instagram, anywhere you can find podcasts, anywhere you can listen to it. Like I would highly encourage you to have a listen to Social Animals. You'll like Alex. He's got a great voice. He likes to to look at, at stuff and look at the reasons and see that we really are social animals. He's right. I'll be I'll be having that bass playing bro on the show soon. So I uh, I look forward to having him on because he's definitely one of my favorite people to shoot the shit with. I love shooting the shit with him and, you know, bass talk. And if you like music and, you know, you'll like Alex. Alex is he's a straight up dude. You'll like him. <clears throat> now <clears throat> on to some fun things things that make it go boom things that make it go breaking points what's the fucking straw that breaks the camel's back now we're gonna we're gonna address this because why wouldn't we address the slap heard around the world the slap heard around the world oh my god the slap heard around the world everybody heard the slap Ow! I didn't even watch the show when I heard the slap heard around the world. <clears throat> it's been all over Facebook. Shall we talk about this? Shall we? It's past April Fool's Day. Everyone knows this is not a joke. It's past Rex Manning Day. April, that was April 8th, you know, at Empire Records. So, I mean, everyone's still talking about the Oscars because Will Smith's now been, like, banned and barred and, you know, just put on every bad list in the in the world and... It's been all over Facebook. It's been on over, over Instagram. It's been it's been on every meme. Everybody's talking about what happened with Will Smith at the Oscars and what happened with him and Chris Rock and the slapping and the slap heard around the world. Now, <clears throat> I'm not going to address like what happened. I'm not going to address violence. I'm not going to address what I think about it personally. All I'm going to address is raw like emotion. What I saw, emotion only emotion. That's all I'm going to address. I'm not going to say whether I thought it was right. I'm not going to say whether I thought it was wrong because I don't think people like me should be leading the charge on educating what's right and wrong in that situation. I don't think that it's my place to do that. So I'm not going to do that. I will tell you what I did see. I'll see, you know, I see trauma. Just me. I see lots of trauma here. You know, uh, it's a couple that's hurt. It's a couple that's already been in the public eye so much with so much going on. And so much talk already. I see that there Will's probably got some pent up aggression and pent up anger and pent up sadness and, and you know, doesn't really have a place to put it. There's there's not a lot of places to put those those feelings. Anger is a tough one. And it turns into all kinds of things, especially when the anger is not really anger and it, it comes from a different place, sadness or, or whatever it is and feeling kind of shitty and feeling the need and the want to defend your, your wife or your loved one. Like, I understand that. And I understand you going into like bear mode or whatever. But, uh, when I look at Will Smith, I see like, I see a man, I see a man who's hurting big time. I see a man who's hurting himself personally. I see a man who's hurting for his wife. As for Chris Rock, Oh man, someone said to me a while ago, his his sort of comedy should have died a long time ago, and like rightfully so. And I agree with that person because like I just don't think it's right. Just that's just me, just me. And I agree, like I said, I agree with this person. So maybe it's not just me. I just think Chris Rock's kind of comedy is not funny, and 
I think it was pretty shitty, but just whatever. Anyways, so you want to talk about award shows? Let's talk about the worst babysitter ever. Who's the worst babysitter ever? When in doubt, say Eric Clapton. He's the fucking worst babysitter ever. You live with your fucking kids before Eric Clapton? They die. That's what happened. We're talking about mental health. Like, oh my God, tears in heaven happened, obviously. Eric Clapton, so fucked up. Let your kid walk off a balcony. Who would leave their goddamn kid? With Eric Clapton, which brings me to a very special and obviously pretty sensitive area of mental health. It's not addressed enough. As I turn the page, turn the page, here I go on the road again. Ah. No, but seriously, I have to turn the page. But a, a part of mental health that's not addressed enough, and it's not even like, it's not even considered mental health, and it's not even looked at mental health because it's stigmatized so badly that we don't look at his mental health, and I'm talking about addiction. Of course, and, and obviously the flip side of that, sobriety too, because there is another side of that pancake. We can't talk about one without the other. We don't have addiction without sobriety. We don't have these things. Like, like we don't have to just share sad stories. There's happy ones too, you know. Addiction, you know, because it's a disease. People don't address it as what it is. It is a disease. Now, it's not because it's not a noble disease like cancer or diabetes. It's not that some, you know, it's not something someone came about on their own. It is something that came, you know, it, it happened. It happened. That's the, the deal. People don't treat it the same because people think addicts can just stop whenever they want to. When, if you know anything about addiction and anything about psychology, or if you read books, if you read fucking the internet for crying out loud, if you know anybody, if you have lived life, you realize that addiction can't stop. It's, it's an illness. It's mental illness. It's, it's disease. Like you're, you're, you're rampant with disease. If you've got addiction problems, there's obviously something else going on deeper underneath the surface there's something going on and and you're trying to fill that hole with something and to fill that void with something that's obviously inevitably never going to be able to be filled and that's where the you know the addiction comes in trying to fill that hole with whatever that might be and it's it's hard we share these stories like i say we don't share happy stories we don't share the sobriety stories we share the oh so and so drank themselves to death or we share the uh you know so and so overdose they overdose they, they they you know or or guess who's in rehab again and to me that comes off as judgy and it why 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 as you know i can get a bit judgy as we all know everybody can get a bit judgy we're human like what like everybody can get judgy everybody waves the finger of judgment at one time or another but why do i think that's judgy because each one of those so-and-sos who did whatever each one of those so-and-sos who's in rehab or so-and-sos who od'd who did, they, who did whatever each one of those so-and-sos is like a person and each, you know, one of those whatever that they did is, is, is a verb and it's a, it's a thing that it happened. It, it, it's, a, it's a word that kind of moves. Something went on with this person. Something went on with this human being's life. It drove them at one time, you know, they had a name, they had a life and they were more than just naming them by their illness or naming so-and-so had this happen to them. And, and you know, like a thing had a thing happen to them. That's it's depressing and it's sad. So at one time, you know, this person was more, you know, humanized. But unfortunately, addiction is a disease that dehumanizes folks to a lot of to people to, to people, and which is which is sad in itself. And that's why a lot of people can't get over them. A life, you know, these people could have 
if they could just realize that they're more than their illness, the life they could have would be just amazing. But mad respect and love to people that are struggling through addiction, like big mad respect to people and love that are struggling through addiction. If you are struggling through addiction and and living through addiction right now, mad and mad respect like and love goes out to you because it's not an easy thing to to live through this when you feel like you're kind of dying every day. And mad respect to everybody who has fought addiction and hats off to those people that are fighting and still like like in you know that are on the sober train right now and still fighting addiction but they're in the other stage of addiction which is you know like sobriety they're on the on the wagon you know now and they haven't come off the wagon and they've been sober for you know a day a, a week a month a year 10 years however long it's been like you've been sober like holy fuck like congratulations you fucking did it like you did it like that's that's something to say like hats off to the people that are still you know, like they, but they'll still say, I'm an addict. They'll, that person who is struggling with addiction, who is sober, will always maintain the fact that they are an addict. And addiction will always be a lifelong struggle for people. And it's a struggle for people to stay sober. So hats off to them too, because they're living through struggling to want to get like not sober and they're, they're staying sober. So that's a feat in itself. But, you know, under all this stuff, there's a little tree that's grown and a tree can't grow without a seed and a seed can't grow without a root because none of these little problems, none of these addictions and none of these mental health woes and none of this stuff would, would be anything and none of it would be what it was if it weren't for roots and roots, bloody fucking roots, 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 bloody roots, what it is like roots, bloody roots. Thank you, Sepultura. Thanks, biology. Thanks, trauma. You got to get to the root of things. Finding our roots is the reason that we feel, the reason that we act, the reason we behave, the way that we do, and it's a certain way, and the way that we behave, and the way that we act, and the way that we are is so important in such a certain way. It's so, so important in such a fine way <clears throat> that it defines us in, in such a manner that <clears throat> it's good to know where those emotions come from because then we know what defines us. It's good to know where those emotions come from. It's good to know what those emotions actually are. Are they, well, are they what we're feeling or are they something totally different? It's great to kind of break it down and kind of be scientific about it and be Bill Nye the science guy. Bill, 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 Bill. You know, you gotta just break it down for what it actually is. So like, let's take, boop, boop, boop. Imagine like I had a little bubble here. Like imagine, let's take something easy, like something that people get all the time. Who gets hot under the collar all the time? I don't have a collar to get hot under. Well, I can kind of get hot under this thing. I probably just bumped the microphone. I bumped the last. Sorry about that. <clears throat> no, I'm not that sorry. But like, take something hideous. Take a bad emotion. Something you tag is bad. Take anger, right? Take anger, for instance. Anger is made up of so many different things. It's like, think of something like, you know, made up of matter. Things made up of matter. What, well, what is the matter that makes up of, what makes up anger? What makes up that emotion? Hurt makes up anger. Frustration makes up anger. Sadness makes up anger. A lot of the time, fear makes up anger. Um, a sense of being overwhelmed and uh, guiltiness makes up anger. There are a lot of things. Trauma, resentment, uh, jealousy can make up anger. A lot of those things, feeling like unbalanced, feeling a uh, feeling a uh, you know feeling kind of a disturbance in the force. All those kind of things can bring bring up feelings of anger and they all kind of go under that anger umbrella but it's hard 
when you first want to lash out and you get angry and you know let's say like let's find out why you're angry first of all like what are you angry at are you actually angry or are you sad or are you hurt or are you frustrated or are you fearful of something like what is it like you're having a spaz before you're going on airplanes because you're is it because you're afraid to fly is it because you actually is it fear or is it angry you know you're lashing out at everybody what it like what's the root so when you a lot of the times i think figuring it out helps foster kind of like a healthier and more productive response in every way you can find that we can get a therapist if it's affordable i mean i guess we or we can suffer in silence if it's accessible and affordable before the year 2025 we can get a therapist otherwise most of us suffer in silence and you know, even though most of us are adults a lot of the times even as adults we revert to childhood coping mechanisms and behaviors and coping kind of strategies because that's all we know or it's all we've seen or it's all we've grown up with or it's all we like have an example of it's all we have to go from and it's all we have to draw from and it's all we have to pull from so we don't have a lot of you know space to make for these things that are very adult and we only have childhood space to make for these things so a lot of times we can't deal with them like adults and we don't deal with them effectively which sucks which brings me to how the fuck do kids deal with this shit? I mean, we're walking around like adults, always grown-ups are always walking around like fucking assholes. I'm not going to lie. Grown-ups are assholes. We're walking around always bitching and complaining about our fucking problems. You know, we got to watch who's around when we're walking around bitching about our problems. I always, like, it's always like the look who's watching. It's like, you know what I mean? Like, look who's watching. Like, you have little people around looking who's watching, you know, looking and listening to how you conduct yourself and how you hold your head and watching how you, what you do and, and how you are. And they're looking. Um, they're looking for you to kind of, not to mess up, but they're looking for you to flub up in a way that, you know, it can make them doubt something. You don't want to be that kind of person, you know what I mean? So how do kids, how do kids deal? Well, number one, it starts with you. You gotta be, you gotta be smart about this. Grownups, like I say, we, 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 we bitch about our problems, like the ones who walk around and say, oh, I can't adult today. Fuck off with that shit. Seriously, you can fuck all the way off with that I can't adult today. You know what? You can. You will. Your parents adulted. Your grandparents adulted. Everyone adulted before you. All the adults that came before you adulted. You need to simmer the fuck down and sit the fuck down and move out of your fucking parents' basement and adult your goddamn self. As parents, how do we keep our kids healthy mentally? How? How? I'll tell you, we help our kids with the big emotions. There are a few things you can do, and I've got them written down. How do we help them with the big emotions and help kids? How do we help them learn about feelings that they don't understand yet? How, how do we help them deal with feelings that they're having that they just don't get? They're like, what, you know, I'm having this feeling, but I don't understand kind of what it is. This feels like this, but I don't understand what it is. Number one, you got to be there for them because they likely don't understand what's going on. Be there for your kids. Be their biggest cheerleader. Be their biggest emotional supporter. Be their biggest, you know, be their biggest person, the, you know, person, like the, the person they can come to. Their, their shoulder to cry on, their soft place to fall. You're going to pick them up when they fall and you're going to dust them off and tell them to go try again. You know what I mean? You're just going to help them. Number two, listen. Just like, I mean, really listen to them. Don't talk. Just listen to them because when you listen to a child, you find out how you need them like to like to talk to you because you listen and then you find out how they need you to, to listen and then to respond to whatever they're saying to you. When you listen, 
you find out a lot more than like asking a child a question. So just listen as they talk and just take it all in. Do check-ins with your kids, just like you would with like a spouse or a friend. Like, how are you? How are you doing? What do you need right now? What do you need from me? What can I do, do, do for you? What, how can I help you? What, how can I help? What's wrong? Are you okay? Like, just do check-ins. Like, not constantly. You don't want to be a helicopter. But do a check-in. If you think someone's not doing great, if, you know, looking so glum, chum. Like, why are you so glum, chum? What's going on? You having a day? What's it? How's your day going? Anything. Anything is a check-in. An emotional check-in. Mindful kids, like I say, mindful kids in yoga, doing things that are uh, like like aggressive, not passive with kids, like doing things like going out and do yoga, going and doing martial arts, doing uh, BJJ, like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, doing mindful exercises. Like my friend Mike, he has a book called Andy Gets Angry. There are breathing exercises you can do with your kids. We do mindful kids. They're, uh, they're cards, mindful. They're like a mindfulness card and you pick one and one's like doing a mindful flower and imagine a flower blooming one's doing like a hot chocolate doing breaths and kind of blowing out the birthday candles it's teaching how to kids how to like breathe mindfully and be mindful we do those things but you know number four is and above all get them the fuck outside get your kids outside get them to the beach get them to the park get them where it's not crowded and get them running around get them having a great time get them climbing get them on the climbers at the park get them out on a hike like, this is what we do with our kids. Like, we get them going. Like, we get them on a hike. We go where no one goes. We don't want to see a million people. We go in the middle of the woods, take the kids out for a hike, pack cooler, pack insulin, go. Now, you know, take the dog too. Just pack up the whole fam jam and just go. And go for a couple hours. And you know what? Your kids will run themselves around, but they'll have a great time. Bring lots of snacks, bring lots of water. You have a good time and it's good for everybody mentally i think getting outside and getting a lot of that fresh air and having those chemicals kind of exchange in your brain a lot of the time really make you feel a lot better so getting outside is a key for not just kids but everybody to feel better like mentally and as the weather gets nicer you'll be able to enjoy those moments outside a little bit more and you'll be able to do that like because i say if kids can't be kids that's the other thing you got to let them be kids because if kids can't be kids and they they, they miss that part of their childhood they miss hiking and going fishing and doing stuff outside a kid doesn't remember their best day of tv they remember best their day of playing video games they remember their best hiker going fishing with so-and-so or going you know going on you know whatever like my kids will remember when they're little going on my dad's boat like those are the things that the kids remember like going fishing with so-and-so or going you know canoeing with so-and-so or swimming in so-and-so's pool like just doing things like that we had a kid i remember i was real young we had kids that lived like across the street from us and down and her parents did just, this is a perfect example. Like her parents did just not let her, they wouldn't let her be a kid. She had two older sisters. They were twins and they were beautiful girls and they always had dates and boyfriends coming over. And she was young. She was a bit frumpier and her parents put a lot of pressure on her, not really to be a kid, to get really good marks. And they really pushed her. The sisters didn't get pushed. She did though. And I remember she was like about in grade eight or nine. We were young. And she had a stroke, like a full-on stroke. She paralyzed one side of her body. Because you see her working, you know, trying to walk to school. And she would, like, obviously be struggling and having a hard time. And it was sad. Because you saw how hard her parents pushed her. And they pushed her so hard. And I think, I remember my, like, grand grandparents saying, like, and kind of, kind of not waving the finger of judgment, but making, like, a passing comment saying something like, you know, her parents kind of treated her so badly and they pushed her so hard that they pushed her into, like, having a stroke. They stressed her out. And I think they did. I don't think they let this kid have a childhood. So this kid on my street, yeah, she lived 
across the street and down from me. She had a stroke when we were like really young kids and it changed her life like it forever. Like it really left one side of her paralyzed. And I don't know whatever happened to her, but it was like a sad story. I don't know what happened to her sisters. They probably married, you know, guys and married off and she probably still lives with her parents. And I don't know. I hope not. I hope she's off doing very well for herself and her parents are off suffering somewhere from being so shitty to her. But seriously, she was a she was a really cool girl and she was a nice girl and seeing something so crappy happen to such a nice person was sad, definitely. So like I say, like be be there for your kids, be your kids biggest supporter, be their biggest support system, be their biggest cheerleader, be there for them. That's so important. My parents, they may not have agreed with every decision that I made. They might have thought, oh gosh, you know, she's going off to run the circus, like, you know, not even like, run off with the circus, going off to run the circus. No, she's run away with the circus. You know, they probably thought that on many occasions. But my parents were super supportive and they were, and like to this day, and they were like my biggest cheerleaders and biggest supporters for anything. So they really supported me through my music career and things like that. And it really helps that they, that they, they did help with the music and stuff. So for me, obviously, and for everybody, you have to have like an outlet with your, with your, with your mental health and, for me, obviously, a good uh, uh, personally, I guess it only makes sense that it would be music. And music is therapeutic. I'd say music is therapeutic in all its forms. Every one of its forms, music is therapeutic in. Whether it's 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 good or bad. I, we were extremely musical growing up. Like since birth, really, there was always music playing in the house. I always remember music either playing in the background or my dad playing music like on like the guitar or like dinking around with a tuning peg or someone having a harmonica or an accordion or an, a ukulele or someone playing something. Or, you know, like my dad had this one good friend and it's funny, he was kind of like a bandaloni. When I say that bandaloni, I mean like a one man band. He was a band alone. He, he, and he played these places called like Fluffy's and the Fluffy's was like a pizza joint where you'd go and you could kind of get whatever you wanted on your pizza and they had a, a pizza monster, but he'd be like some drunk guy sleeping in a costume. But it was really exciting to us as kids, but Bandaloni kind of played, you know, everything by himself. He had like a pedal where he'd play the bass. He'd play guitar. He was really a great guitar player. He'd play at Fluffy's. And then he'd play at this other place that had uh, five cent chicken wings. Back in the day when I ate meat, I mean, that was like a year and a half ago when I ate meat. But like way back in the day when I ate meat, when chicken wings were five cents a piece, you could get 10 chicken wings. Oh my God. For 50 cents. Like that's like, that seems like, that's not today's prices. What kind of prices is that for chicken wings? Oh my God, all the chicken wings you get for $5. So there's a place called O'Brien's and you get really cheap, really good chicken wings there and pints and stuff. We go there and sing karaoke and we go listen to my dad's friend play. And he played O'Brien's and it became a club called McSwiggins after O'Brien's got taken over. And it, it had a great karaoke setup. So McSwiggins had a great place. It had cheap beers, cheap wings, and you know, you get lots of draft beer. So, you know, you'd be pooping your pants the next day, but at least you'd be having fun stealing karaoke books and playing, you know, and having fun playing karaoke and singing karaoke. So I'm telling you, whether it was listening to music and going to karaoke at, well, I also went to karaoke, not just like with McSwiggins. I went to karaoke a lot at a place called Fatty Patties, which we all call Ribsters as well. But Fatty Patties was a, a karaoke staple for me for years. And that was therapeutic, singing and getting the karaoke out Getting your karaoke on sometimes is really therapeutic for you. Ask anybody, ask your, 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 your friend, everyone who has a friend who really likes karaoke or owns a karaoke machine or like secretly does karaoke or be like, 
hey, I'm having a party. You want to come over? And like they get drunk and they bring out the karaoke machine. Everybody has that friend. I know you do. Don't lie to me. Maybe you are that friend. Maybe you can't lie to me because you are that friend. You're the karaoke friend. I'd be the care. I'd be the friend who busted out the karaoke machine any day. But I used to do karaoke like every week when I used to, like way back in the day. This is way back in the day. This is before kids and when I used to drink like booze and stuff like that. So this is way before those, before the the straighter edge days there. You know, so it's you know it's all therapeutic. I'm not gonna lie. It, like I. Whether it's listening to music, like I say, or performing it, making it, writing it, it doesn't matter. I'm here. I'm here for. I'm here for all of it. I love it. I think some of my best performances and and concerts and things like that have just been like me diddling around and dandling around on my guitars and stuff like that for family. Me jamming with my dad, or me playing a song for my mom on piano, or me like playing something for like my, like my partner, or me dicking around with the kids or something like that. You know. Or just playing something with friends, like jamming with a friend or something like that. Those are when the musical magic moments kind of happen. You know what I mean? That's when lighting in a bottle happens. Those are when those are the best musical moments for me. Sure, I've had lots of great performances and lots of great musical moments, like on stage with like people that are like big, big and big famous and stuff like that. But the the the, the times in my life for music for me that's therapeutic that really stands out for me that will always be near and dear to my heart will be the ones where I'm jamming with family and that I've got a small you know, small, like you say, audience. And I think it's great. I think it's good, bad. It's, it, music makes us feel all the feels and it's cathartic. Like I say, whether it's a good way or a bad way, it gets it all out. So it's cathartic and it's good for you and you should get it all out. Like I say, you have no idea how many times I sat up in my teenage bedroom. And if you ever had the, 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 the joy of being in my teenage bedroom, You'll remember all the posters and the whole posters, the Nirvana posters, all the different stuff cut out from Hit Parader and all the rock magazines. And, you know, there's Beach Boys pictures. It was a little mishmash of everything. And I had my stereo system set up, lots of stuff going on in there, my amp. If you've been in my teenage bedroom before, like I say, you're welcome. Probably got yourself a lotion massage. Talk about that on a different show. A different show for a different time with a different guest. We won't talk about lotion massages on this show. But just... So, you know, lotion massages were a thing. I will explain later. But anyway, I'd sit up there with my Christmas lights and I'd be crying over some guy. And I'd be listening to Fade Into You by Mazzy Star. And it's like I was 19. And at the time, sometimes I'd lost, you know, a boyfriend. But then I remember losing, at the time, in 19, like two really influential people and stars kind of in my life. I lost my dog. And then I lost my, 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 my Oma, who was my mom's mom, who was like very influential in my life. She was like another mother to me. And it was like a month long, like being in my room, binge on like smoking as much weed as like Oscar the Grouch could like fucking shove into a fucking garbage can. It was a pot binge. I was busy doing fucking nothing. I was, I, I think I was eating nothing. And then I went to eating a lot because I had like the munchies from smoking weed or whatever. But really, I wrote a ton at the time. I played a lot of music. I had, you know, like keyboard, my guitar and everything there with me. So I like, and then when no one would be home, I would go downstairs and I play piano. And then I hightail it back up to my room because I wouldn't want to see anyone. I was depressed. I was bummed out. It was a bad time. You're 19 years old. You don't know what to do. You just lost one of the most important people in your life. So what do you do? You kind of fucking hide from the world. So that's what I did. I hid from the world. I didn't want to... 
see anybody. My mental health wasn't so good at that time. And just let's just say when your mental health isn't in the greatest shape, you don't want to see people. But I will tell you this, when your mental health isn't in the greatest shape, this is great proof that you're still capable of so, so much. You're still capable of doing great and wonderful things. Sometimes you just don't realize with it and you grapple with it in your head and you don't realize that you can do it. But this is, you know, living proof to tell you that you can. I wrote a whole album that year and uh, it's not, I've never put it out, but I've recorded it. But uh, I wrote a whole album that year just being unproductive, being kind of in my room doing nothing. I'll tell you, I saw not too long ago, I saw, this is interesting because I wanted to talk about mental health and, and when getting help, because a lot of people haven't been able to get help because there's been no access to it. But people have gotten help. Some of them have gotten help to good avail. Some people I know have gotten help to no avail and bad avail because I was, I was, I was, I was watching uh, an interview after I talked to somebody. They told me that they'd had a bad experience with a psychiatrist. And I was watching an interview with David Lynch and he was talking about himself and how the interviewer, the guy who was interviewing him asked him, the reporter asked, have you ever been to a, like a psychiatrist or a psychologist or a head shrinker or a shrink or anything like that ever before? And he said, yeah, actually I have. And he thought that he had, after like a long discussion with the uh, clinician, he decided that being on medication would kind of dumb down his sense of who he was and kind of get rid of kind of like the Lynchian universe, which I, I don't not agree with David Lynch because I couldn't imagine the mind of David Lynch fouled by any kind of substance whatsoever because it's so brilliant as it is. So David Lynch, you know, for a lot of people, it gives them an element of creative constipation. Can you still work with all that stuff on board or can you not? It, uh, it makes, you know, the, the taps turn off and then you can't work anymore. It's dicey for a lot of people because for certain people, it's, it's like Russian roulette. Like, do you push yourself almost to the brink of insanity so you can still achieve that brilliance? Or do you dumb that, do you dumb that brilliance down so you can get less insanity and, and, and craziness and keep yourself well? What do you do? David Lynch himself said that he, uh, he opted for the craziness and the insanity. I think that's why he is the way he is. And I think that's why Twin Peaks is so good. And I will never argue with David Lynch about, about him not seeking mental health, but if like mental health help rather, but I mean, if you, if you are the person who feels like you need to talk to somebody or you need to get on mental health medication, or you need to get on a mental health website, or you need to get a mental health guru, do so. These are the things that you need to do as part of your self-care to take care of yourself. Because like I say, if you don't take care of yourself, and I've said this on my Instagram before, if you don't take care of yourself, no one's going to do it for you. And pretty soon you'll be forced to do it for yourself because pretty soon it won't be a question of, should I take care of myself anymore? Pretty soon it'll be, now I have to fucking take care of myself because the doctor just told me, or the ER doctor just told me, or the ambulance driver just told me that I fucking have to take care of myself. And then you do. And you're forced to take care of yourself and then you don't fucking like it because nobody likes to be forced to, to do anything against the will. Nobody likes that. I find music as much as I love it is a double-edged sword situation. It's always cathartic and it's, it's, it's uh, horrifying for me because I also dealt with music as much as I loved it. I dealt with it as a social anxiety situation as much as I loved music and playing it for people and performing it for people. That's why I say my best audiences are small. Playing it for large crowds a lot of the time was, and being in the middle of a large crowd, kind of being stuck in the middle, was kind of scary and claustrophobic for me like that. And uh, very horrifying at times for me because 
people all of a sudden you get notoriety they know your songs they know the words they know your name they know where you're going to be they know lots of things about you they got your picture on their wall or they got your poster they got a picture of you or your cd for you to sign and it gets creepy it can get crazy it's a little bit much and it's surreal it's surreal it flips your wig a bit and i think that it fucks with your ego more than it does your spirit it, like it really fucks with your ego and i don't like my ego to be fucked with because i don't really like personally to have an ego i don't think it's good to have an ego i think you can hang on to your ego as as long as you want and as hard as you want but you're generally going to lose the fight if you want to be egotistical and surface kind of about things what the kids call surface these days if you want to be like that about things go ahead be as egotistical as you want be as on the surface as you want and be as surface as you can about it but those aren't the things that matter it's what's underneath the surface that that matters it's what's bubbling underneath it's not like the little tip of the iceberg it's all that stuff underneath the iceberg that you don't see the stuff that sunk the titanic for instance it's all that big stuff all those big chunks of goodness knows what that are that are at heart here that's what's really important it's not just what you see it's not just what's on the surface because i mean on the surface you can see a lot but there's so much more going on underneath and that's why most of my work now like i say with music and performances studio i mean there will be live performances i'm not going to lie there will be live performances and i don't want to say there's going to be shows as much as i will say there will be more so happenings that go on with things um i will be a voice for you obviously I, as you know i'm doing more voiceover work as i hooked up with my pal fiverr.com now i'm an artist on fiverr i'm definitely a seller on fiverr i hooked up getting more work doing like that one of my friends asked me if i have an imdb i looked it up and i do have an imdb so fucking hire me to be the voice of your next whatever i do voices i do voices i feel like robin williams on mrs doubtfire i do voices but seriously hire me for your next vocal drop all over whatever you want i'll sing over your next podcast i'll do a vocal drop for your next podcast i'll do vocal drops over the mount never mind cut that out because <clears throat> i can hear walking upstairs i do vocal drops over relaxing youtube videos which is funny because I have to do my relaxing voice. So it's like, in the hills of Mount Kilimanjaro, relax and sip your cup of tea as you close your eyes and gently reflect on the day you've just had. And then, you know, you got relaxing Tanya voice, you got cartoon Tanya voice, you got narration voice, you got podcast voice, you got singing voice, you got studio musicianship. It's all available for you on Fiverr if you want to hire me to do anything. If you want a baseline of one of mine written for you, if you want me to drop a baseline in one of your songs, get at me if you if you hire me to do it i'll do it i'll post some gigs again i'm doing lots of vocal drops which are funny because like the kids are like mom like what the heck are you doing because if i have to sing over something or i think they think like they look at me like okay well like she's finally like lost it she's downstairs yelling into a microphone or doing something like what kind of yoga is right for you or like what like in what country did popcorn originate it's like whatever it's whatever the job is right i'll do it as long as it's something within the scope of what i do i'll do it and then there's something you know i've been struggling with personally and i'm figuring out how and when and who and where and what to do it with and that is obviously musically 
I've been struggling to finish the album that I started to kind of do with my dad before he passed away. And I figured that, and I've battled with it and I've kind of wrestled with it and how to do it. The only way to really do it, I think, is to crowdfund it and do it with you fine folks. And I think we can do it together. I think that way everyone gets a chance and everyone gets a, a, a fair say at kind of what goes on with the album and how it gets produced and how it gets put out and in what modalities it gets put out and how quick it gets put out. And I think it's something of cool that we can do together and we can make together. I think a collaboration, I don't want to do just a collab with one person, although I do have a few collabs going. I don't want to do just one collab with one person for the album. I want to collaborate with all of you for the album and I want to make something cool together and make some affordable tiers. Now, some of the reward tiers are going to be fucking ridiculous. They're going to be expensive, but they're going to be ridiculous and you're going to get what you obviously pay for if you have those tiers in mind if you want to get that reward tier for yourself and you want to make that together and they're going to be very very limited but also i'll have lots of small tiers that anybody can just grab up for a couple of bucks i mean who can't afford you know a two or three bucks and it's going to be lots of fun stuff to do there crowdfunding that album and it's the album like i say that i was going to do with my dad i think it'll be cool if we can all do it together i've got lots of my dad's stuff that I've got him playing and I've got a lot of music that my dad was working on and I have some people that are going to play it for me and with me and I'm going to play some of it on there too. I have a few fun guests that are coming on but uh, you'll be able to check out some of those reward tiers soon and uh, maybe you'll even be on the album. We will see. Now I have a question. This is a serious depression question. A lot of people get this. Now this episode is longer for a reason because Mental health is something that is near and dear to my heart. And it's, it's, it's important that we talk about these things and we have these conversations. Has anybody got social media blahs? Do you know what I'm talking about when you get the social media blahs? Some people get the social media blahs. I've been fine, but, but I think between a lot of people with like the news and the horror of actual reality and what actually is going on in the world and then being inundated like from multiple sources of like social media outlets, I think multiple information sources, multiple friends talking about different things. You know, like there's Twitter's going, Instagram's going, Facebook's going, your mom's texting you, your friend's texting you, this person's texting you, you've just gotten a fight with so-and-so on the internet. You know, it's just, it's ridiculous. And then you have friends and influences and maybe somebody you really respect or something, you know, post something that all of a sudden really shocks you and all of a sudden you like lose all your respect for them. And maybe you had a lot of respect for them before and you really stood up, you know, with them and you stood behind them and they really stood with your values and they aligned with your values. And all of a sudden, maybe you're disappointed and they don't. And that's hard because that's a letdown. Someone you really respect, like, let you down. And it's hard when you find out that people are human and people are going to let you down. And that's the way that it's going to be. And you're going to have to just navigate and muddle yourself around it. I say, conversely... Sometimes you make a post that you are super proud of or you make a reel or you make like a TikTok video or something like that that you're super proud of and you spent a lot of time on and you feel very either very strongly about and or you feel like you spent a lot of time on it, you did a really good job and then you just don't get the reception that you feel that you should have got. You don't receive, it's not received warmly, or perhaps it's received in a negative fashion, in a negative manner, it's received negatively. And you, that you can't jive with that. It happens to all creators. And again, like I'm gonna say, it's what we do with it that counts. We could hold on to it. 
you could hold that in your hand and strangle it the fuck to death and we can get offended or we can choose not to react to it we can we can we can laugh at it or we can we can let it pass by looking at it for kind of what it is and kind of stepping outside the situation looking at it for what it is and then just kind of letting it go because like honestly use it as a learning experience as a learning experience use it as a learning experience what would tanny do i'll tell you what what tanny would do in this situation i would choose the option my friends of letting it pass like my friend george harrison said all things must pass and not like i'm saying for some people a lot of things don't pass not everything passes but all things kind of must pass let those kind of things go those little things that are just nattering at you step back take yourself out of the situation and let them pass away let them go let them be as they are but like i say for some people a lot of things don't just pass away and some people do pass away for some people seemingly things do not pass away and i'm talking about succumbing to mental illness and trigger warning i'm talking about suicide we're going to talk a little bit about that because suicide is something that is on the forefront of a lot of people's minds i've 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 personally dealt with not for me but like for i've dealt with suicide and having people I know succumb to their illness and succumbing to suicide and succumbing to sadness and that kind of taking over and having to navigate through those situations and those situations like I say are not easy and assisted suicide has been legal here now for quite some time for people that are suffering with long-term illness where there's no quality of life there's no quantity of life it's chronic illness that is not going to get any better that is just literally a depreciation of the person's life and depreciation health-wise for the person. So legally assisted and doctor and nurse assisted suicides have been, been a thing here for quite some time. We're just getting legislation and now that mental illness, uh, assisted suicide for mental illness and people that are struggling with mental illness who have wanted to have assisted suicide are now being uh, going to be faced with that option. And that option is going to be presented to the people who, who need that option presented to them. And we're going to have that in Ontario. And I think people are quick to judge here because a lot of people are really suffering with chronic illnesses that do lead to suicidal thoughts and feelings and ideations. And I don't think that people realize that being suicidal for a lot of people is not that they're going to go kill themselves and it's not a verb. It doesn't mean that it's going to happen. It's not an action. I think that being suicidal for a lot of people is just a feeling. And I think that, I don't know if it's a feeling that so much passes, but I think that it's a, for a lot of people that it is a feeling. And I think that needs to be acknowledged and not judged so much that people do feel like they don't want to be here and they don't feel like they belong and things of that nature. I think that needs to be acknowledged instead of judged so harshly. I think that like suicidal is definitely not just a person on the end of the phone crying because they feel like they want to kill themselves and that they don't belong here i think that suicidal is more feeling a more feeling of displacement that floating around and I, I don't know where i am and i don't know where i'm supposed to be i think that's what suicidal like probably feels like and i think that's 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 hard suicide is one of those many things that sometimes it's a feeling it's a thought and other times it does become an action and it because it becomes something that someone does. And I've lost a, a ton of people that I love to suicide. 
Do I judge them? No. Fuck no. Fuck no. I, there is no, no uh, measure of judgment when it comes to suicide. They did it on their own terms. They went out on their terms. Do I miss those people dearly? Absolutely. Do I wish those people were here? Absolutely. I miss those people and I wish they were here. Do I wish that they reached out? Yeah, I do wish that they reached out. Do I wish that I paid like attention more and I maybe I would have found something out and I would have figured something out? I've played the scenarios out a million times in my head. You think that I haven't done that? Because I have. You definitely play those scenarios out a million times in your head and how could it have been different? And you think you play them out a million different ways and that they're going to change somehow and they're going to be different. But truth be told, they're not. They're not going to play out a different way. They're not going to be different. And that's kind of the way it is. And nothing has changed, nor will it. So I will say next week we will want to be beyond to happier and more positive topics. But like I wanted to stop children. What's that sound? Everybody look what's going down. It's mental illness because a lot of people have not been stopping and getting a checkup from the neck up and no one's been stopping and kind of checking themselves and figuring out where they are right now and kind of asking yourself, where is my mind? Where is it right now? Are you in a good place? Are you in a bad place? Where are you? Where are you right now? Just stop and kind of check yourself. Give yourself that break if you need it. Get that help if you need it. If you're in crisis mode, if you're in crisis management mode, if you need help and you, and you need like backup, someone was telling me the other day, you know, call for backup if you need it. Call for fucking backup if you need it. Like have that support system weaved in where you need it. If you need me as your support system, you know where I'm going to be. I'm going to be at 21st Century Rocker Mom on Instagram. I am at Tandy Candler, bitching and witching, like as always, on uh, Instagram. You can find me at YouTube, on YouTube, at Tanya Candler Channel. I'm always on YouTube. You can find this video will be uploaded there as well. You can find me anywhere you stream. Anywhere you stream, you can find my podcast. You can also find me right here on 21st Century Rocker Mom podcast. I'll be with you. I'm here. I'm back for it. I'm around every week. I drop those socials. You can find me in those places. I'm here for it. But like I say, next week we'll have a lighter week. Maybe we won't. Who knows? But we need, for now, we need to stop. We need to definitely take a, like, definitely stop. We need to stop. We need to take a deep, deep breath. Maybe count to 10 ourselves. Go outside enjoying nature, maybe be nicer, be kinder to each other, be more mindful of each other and just love each other a little bit more. Until next week, leave you with that. I am your host, Tanya Candler, for another week of 21st Century Rocker Mom podcast. It has been a delight being with you this week as it is every week. I love you. Take good care of each other. Adios, amigos.